0: Welcome back to Our Justice Journey with Dr. Rose Brunda, part two. And we thank you for your continued interest in this discussion. Um, Our next question is, what do you think is dangerous about how native people are portrayed in textbooks and schooling and how does that impact us outside of the classroom?
1: Um, From what what I I hear from my my friends from the uh, Native American community is first of all, when they're talked about in past tense, Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so this thing that, you know, back in the day um, and the inaccuracy of what we have in our history books uh, in which they're portrayed not only in a past tense, but also in, in terms of their lack of agency, they're portrayed mm-hmm. as a lack of agency. So we don't hear about their resistance um, during the, the whole manifest destiny uh, which was essentially white supremacy uh, on steroids, right? Yeah uh, and so so with that, when you look at Native American people then and now that they continue to to maintain their culture um, and sometimes it's fragments of it uh, mm-hmm. based on you know as much as they've been able to hang on to over the years. So the portrayal of them at that point, uh, during during the whole invasion the intrusion upon their land is a sense of of how were they responding at yeah. that time what was being done uh mm-hmm. to them and then what were they doing in response to try to persevere and then built, looking at the resilience of their communities over time mm-hmm. and then you know when we look at the communities now uh looking at at the uh, it's almost fascinating. I, I got a call from a woman from North Carolina yesterday, and, uh, and she was a former librarian, retired librarian, and she was talking to me about just, you know, the, what she's seen with curriculum over there. Um, so I sent her some resources, um, but, but I told her, I said, look, you know, I know you got a strong Native American community right there in North Carolina, Mm-hmm. you might want to get a hold of them. Yeah. So so it's 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 a thing of, of um having their voice yeah. in the curriculum. Mm-hmm. And and I I I asked her, well, you know, what, what was the concern? And she goes, well, there's a book my granddaughter's having to read. Um, and it wasn't written by somebody from the community.
0: Mm. So
1: it's like, well then who who wrote the book in yeah. this perspective? And what right did they have? So did that person get permission from the community to write a book about Native Americans, mm-hmm. about a Native American child? Um, so it'd be like me writing your life story without me knowing who you are and yeah, without exactly. your permission and without your input. How would I know? How would I yeah. know who you are? You know, I yeah. And so, so it just it does it just doesn't make any sense. Um, and you can certainly say you know there's there's artwork that's Native American inspired. But don't sell that as Native American hardware, right? Mm-hmm. The same with Native American positionality and, and stories um, and, and their narrative. They should should have input in what's in the history books from their mm-hmm. perspective. And that's what we've we've tried to, uh, to approach here in California, uh, working with cultural experts, working with, with people that uh, Gary Robinson, who I have this book right here, Lands of Our Ancestors, where he's written three different pieces across three generations uh, from the Chumash perspective Mm. uh, of their response to having the missions now intrude upon their land. Mm. So, you know, he got permission from the Chumash. He himself is not from that tribe. He's from another tribe outside of California. But having that sensitivity and even knowing that, yeah, that. You got to consult with the elders, you, you know, with the elders, and, and then do an extensive work, uh, investigating the language, and then having the elders make sure that everything is good before it's presented. And now in schools, uh, so so for me, it, it it's it's as somebody who is a part of their coalition is what's my work as a co-conspirator uh, to promote what's already been by California Indians.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really important. I also think like kind of what you're talking about, you know, of textbooks and everything. I think, you know, I think it's important to remember that history is written by the victors, so to speak, which I don't actually think they're the victors, but that's a conversation for another time. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it's written by the white supremacist. I think Columbus's journals are going to look a lot different than reality. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think that's why it is so important to really go back two Native people about their stories um, and get their point of view because
1: you well, can't. and, and you read up a great point idea I mean just look at you know you just brought up um, a person who was lost mm-hmm. and and did you know that that there were people from this side of the world who were in Galway Ireland oh wow and they yes they were there they mm-hmm. um there there are uh, so if you read the work of Jack Forbes He talks about how Native Americans had discovered Europe. If you want to use the word discovered. Yeah. First, they uh, they were called sealed people. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they got over there in a canoe. Two people get out of a canoe in Ireland. And Mm -hmm. who saw them?
0: Probably. Who saw those people? Columbus.
1: Columbus. Columbus. Columbus song. And so there's a library book. That, that Professor Forbes, who was from UC Davis and has since passed away, but he found a book that, that belonged to Columbus and this wrote in this on the margins mm-hmm. about his encounter with these people from this part of the world who were over there. So he knew we were here. Now, yeah. if you go to Galway, uh, there is a monument at that spot where those people arrived. It's right off the River Korrib. And how do I know that? Because I went to Galway, I took a picture of that monument, and it's, the, it's in one of the books that you mentioned earlier about the histories of, of uh, Latinx and Amerindian women. Mm-hmm. I have that picture in there.
0: Wow. So my husband and
1: I traveled back there. So who discovered who? Uh, you know, but but what happened was that you didn't have a, a whole ship to American saying. Things are so bad here. We're going to go over to Europe, and we're going to go conquer those people and brutalize them and take their land. That didn't happen. Okay, yeah. they went over there. Went, did I don't know who what they did over there. But then they came back. Mm-hmm. Whereas whereas Columbus made note that there were people over here, and you know made his way away. He was he was headed somewhere else and ended up uh, here in the Americas. So so the whole fallacy of uh, it, now here's the counter story and how many kids know that just like mm-hmm. how, yeah. how many people. Yeah. How many people know that democracy? So they talk about the founding fathers, mm-hmm. The founding fathers. Did you notice the Iroquois who gave that idea to the founding fathers?
0: Yeah. My mom always brings that up. She's like, you need to look up the Iroquois <laughs> thing whenever she. Yeah. Whenever I'm talking about it.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, Benjamin Franklin, I'll give him credit, was smart enough to meet with. Uh, it was a representative from one of the Iroquois uh, tribes. And uh, the Iroquois were just getting tired of meeting with all these different people who had arrived. And it was, you know, getting disorganized. And there were yeah. people upland and downland against the coast. So he said, look, folks, this is what we do to organize ourselves. And he essentially handed over. You know mm-hmm. the the articles of, of of the Confederacy of of the Iroquois Nation. Mm-hmm. That's how our democracy started. But the thing is, is that what happened is these there are so so called founding fathers. They took out a couple of clauses.
0: Mm-hmm. They
1: took out the equity clauses clauses of mm-hmm. women, and uh-huh. and and the Iroquois, um, though they would they would have a man to be to be sort of like the head. Okay, mm-hmm. but. If that person was was not uh, meeting the standards and the expectations of the tribe, the women could get together and say, you know, fool, you're out of there. Mm-hmm. The woman would step up and say, he's done. And they would elect a new person. OK, mm-hmm. so so this the role of men and women together, there was respect for that. Yeah. And you didn't have to be a land owning wealthy person. Mm-hmm. Everybody had voice in it the other thing it wasn't it wasn't um, it they believed the consensus mm. consensus so so it wasn't a 51 49 and then you get the other 49 walking away feeling disenfranchised right like mm-hmm. we have here yeah there it was we're going to give and take and we're going to stay out as many days and nights as it takes for us to come to agreement So we can all walk away from from the negotiation table and that I'm not going to come and attack you or you me because you're the 49 percent or I'm the 49 Mm percent and now feeling disenfranchised. So so you see some of those clauses that were taken away that we're dealing with the aftermath even now. Mm
0: -hmm. Equity. Right.
1: Yeah. And then and then the two party system. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just for starters.
0: Yeah, yeah. People always talk so much about America. So you know, the I always feel like people are like America, democracy, blah blah blah. I mean, we're not even. First of all, you like you were saying they stole it from the Iroquois. So like, give credit where it's due. And second of all, I mean, if you look at our, it's not really a democracy. You know what I mean? If you talk about, you know, all the stuff. Um, I'm blanking on the name the something college the oh electoral college like that's Mm -hmm. not really a democracy it's like take all and win all type thing um so yeah I just it's just you know I think that's really important too to also remember like nobody is taught that our confederation is from the Iroquois like nobody you know what I mean but I think that's also really important on changing the narrative on what America's history is, what America is, and just like all people that or how deeply you know implanted white supremacy is here. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: And the thing is, is get let's get back to the white supremacy thing. And this is what a lot of white people don't know is that the those men, and they were all men, they were all men, they were all wealthy white men, mm-hmm. land honing white men, and for the most part, men who owned other people okay Mm -hmm. so so with that if you were a poor Irishman or woman Mm -hmm. who didn't own land and you weren't over the age of 35 you were also marginalized yeah so so you could see how this was established from the very beginning Mm -hmm. that that um they borrowed pieces of the the Iroquois confederacy but they didn't take it all. Uh, <laughs> yeah. they, you know, we we wouldn't, we wouldn't be, again, we wouldn't be so tired of being tired, you know? Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because how, how long has it been taking us to, to try to get back to just what the Iroquois had?
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like how many hundreds of years ago? But, you yeah, know. Exactly,
1: exactly. We're, we're still doing ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> It's so it's, I think, so I think you just have to laugh at it sometimes. It's just so ridiculous, but you know. We thank you for listening to part two of our justice journey with Dr. Rose Barunda. To further listen to this discussion, feel free to visit part three.